And I'll never forget, we were, there was this, this daughter with autism who was in her 30s living at home and her mom was still consoling her and giving her the things that she needed and kind of helping with her life skills. And I kind of realized like, my daughter is gonna need me my whole life the best I can be. And I need to be here for my wife to help her with that because you can have all the money in the world. You can have the biggest house, the most cars, but one thing that you can have a limited of is time. And I was making my time shorter by the health choices I was making at that time. This is Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast, and I am your host, Bette Lucas. I am a mom of six crazy kids. I work as a VP in a fast-paced industry, and I've been on a health journey. But what does living your big, bold life even mean? Living boldly is having the courage to finally listen and do what your heart has been trying to tell you all along. Maybe it's to take back your health, write the book, go for the job, run the race. And I'm here to help you listen to that voice and to remind you to be you boldly. The world needs you. Hello, welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast. I am your host, Bette Lucas. Today's guest is Billy Flanagan. And in many ways, his message and his story today are exactly what I hope you find here at Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast. You see, Billy's health was struggling. He was struggling. And yet, by finding tools that finally worked for him, he found a new life, a new pep in his step, and was able to give back more. You know, there's a message out there that our health is selfish and that prioritizing it is too. But in my mind, it can be one of the most unselfish things we can do. And often, I'm here to not just remind you, but me too. You know, we can't control everything about our health, but we can do the best with what we have been given. And I guess what I need to ask myself each and every day, and maybe you do too, is are you doing your best? And if not, that's okay, but maybe today's your day to start. And hopefully here And in my Motivate Facebook group, we can share encouragement to not just help someone start, but keep going even when it feels hard and even when it might feel a little selfish. Because what you're going to hear from Billy's episode today and what you're going to hear from me is that those you love will thank you someday. A healthier you is a healthier future for them too. Like Billy, we all need to be bold enough to start bold enough to go, and we've got to do the best with what we've been given. I think that is the goal. Billy today candidly shares about the long road to adoption. He and his wife, Rachel, pursued it for over 12 years, and finally were able to find their daughter, Celie. Celie has had some challenges. She's a beautiful, busy girl, but was diagnosed with autism and just recently fetal alcohol syndrome. Billy's story today truly reminds us that when we prioritize our health, we also prioritize others. Here's Billy. Hello, Billy. Welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life podcast. I'm thrilled you are here today. I'm thrilled to be here as well, and thank you for having me a part of your uh, podcast. 
So Billy, tell the listeners where you're from, a little bit about your family, your age, a little bit of all the things so they can get to know you. My name is Billy Flanagan and I live just north of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And I have a wonderful wife. Uh, we got married in 2004, but we've been together since high school. So 20, 21 years now. And I have a beautiful uh, six-year-old daughter who just turned six uh, a week ago. And we adopted her from birth. We were actually on adoption process for 12 years uh, leading up to our daughter, Celie. Uh, we lived in a couple different states, Wisconsin, uh, Montana, and Minnesota, and through all those states, we were a part of that process, and it took 12 years to, to get our, our wonderful little little daughter, and it was definitely well worth the journey. I'll be 40 years old at the beginning of March, and as we uh, kind of been going through these last couple years with our daughter, because we adopted her from birth, her birth mom would not have been able to keep her. So she would have been going through the foster system and we actually got connected through a family mutual friend and we, uh, we met her and we, you know, we had that great connection while she was pregnant and she chose us to be the lucky ones to raise Celie, our daughter. And it, it's been a blessing, but since our adoption, uh, about at the age of three, she was diagnosed with autism. And within the last year, she's been diagnosed with uh, fetal alcohol syndrome as well. So we've been learning our uh, life of helping her through those diagnoses because the diagnosis doesn't change who she is. Our daughter is amazing. And it just helps us better um, understand of the needs that she needs and the struggles that she has. I think that's so beautiful. And I can't imagine it must have been hard to wait 12 years and then to hear and connect with someone who says, I choose you. I choose you. It's just, I can only imagine, did you receive a phone call or when did you know? We met the mutual friend and then we met the birth mom, uh, Celie's birth mom. And uh, we kind of just knew right away. It was kind of one of those natural connections. Mm -hmm. Uh, But through the 12 years, uh, we were through an agency before and we've gotten close a few times. And for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out where the birth parent changed their mind or something's happened. And, And one time in Montana, before we moved back to Minnesota, we were really close. We were on the waiting and ready list. We were accepted. Uh, we even got as far as a due date. We made a nursery, bought a crib. You know, the, we had a car seat and everything. We're all ready to go. And about less than a month before the child was able or was going to be born, uh, something happened and it fell through. And that one was probably the hardest one. Mm-hmm. And we would just kind of decide if we wanted to stick with the process or not. And what we decided to do is we kind of took a little extended weekend. We got away. We went up north in Montana, just rented this little cabin that was the size of a little studio apartment and just grounded ourselves. And we kind of reconnected as a couple and we decided to stick with the process. And we're glad we did. Because when we moved back to Minnesota, we were able to go through this process as well. And where we stayed in Montana was Sealy Lake. And that's why we named our daughter Sealy, because that's where we decided to stick with it. And if we would have never had that trip, we would have never had Sealy. Oh my gosh, I love that story. And it's just amazing that you stuck with it. And I know the adoption process and foster care process, there's so many processes out there that can really test your patience and pull on your your heart in really, really complicated ways. And what advice would you give someone 
who may be going through the process and feeling like they want to give up you know, feeling like it's it's taking too long it, or they've been in your shoes where they've had so many fall through, especially at the last minute. What what advice do you give someone when they ask you how you kept going? It happens when it's supposed to happen and you don't understand that in the time because it is frustrating. And my, my wife and I have had this conversation a lot of times since Celie, even since our diagnosis with her. And Celie would have been born regardless of Rachel and I would have ever been together. And the chances are that she would have been in and out of the system after she was born, Celie. And we look at it as now, as hard as a struggle it is, she was meant to be with us and then we're meant to give her the best life she can be. And it's an extremely difficult, you know, raising a special needs child, but it's also very rewarding. And it's it's worth it because we're we're here so she can have a sustainable life and a life worth living. And at the same time, she gives us the same thing. It's a reward that was worth waiting for. You know, I've had to learn as time has gone on that hard things aren't bad. You know, I think as as human nature is we avoid the hard. And I think what you're showing so beautifully is that there are hard things in life that happen, but they're often more beautiful too. And that hard doesn't mean bad. Hard means you're living life. And I think that you, your story is a complete example of that. So today, Billy, I know we're also going to kind of tackle how this beautiful kind of family journey and journey with your daughter also intercedes with your health journey. And so I'd love to hear a little bit how maybe you started down your path with intermittent fasting and prioritizing your health and and why you did that. Absolutely. You know, where I'm at now, it, it's uh, easier to look backwards of kind of milestones that you've had in your life that, that kind of made you unhealthy or overweight. And I definitely have, have had those in my life. So, you know, obviously being in a adoption process for 12 years and then becoming so close so many times has definitely emotionally taxes you. In 2009, I worked for a a family company for many years and was laid off from a company that I thought I'd be for my whole life. And that was kind of one of those other uh, milestones in my life that kind of, you know, I started gaining weight after that. And these are the things I didn't see at the time. It's just, you're just living life. But now looking backwards, you can see those things. And then after C was born and getting those diagnoses, uh, I think I kind of shut down because it's, it, you're like, what does this mean? What is, you know, like you're, I kind of got scared, but the way that I dealt with that is I kind of shut the world down around and what happened with that. I mean, I was always present here. I was always, you know, here, but I wasn't here the best I can be. And I gained a lot of weight really fast. I mean, I gained weight through this process through the years, but it really escalated after that. And I kind of almost lost my identity and who I was. And I got to the point where I was becoming, I had heart problems. I couldn't breathe very easily. You know, my daughter would go on the floor and I'd, I'd go down there to play with her and then she'd get back up, but I couldn't get up to, to play with her up, you know, to run around with her. I wasn't being a very great husband because I wasn't here physically and mentally. And it just, it was a clouded over that was kind of running my life at that time. And through the special needs families, you you get 
some connections and you follow other people's journeys. And I'll never forget, we were, there was this, this daughter with autism who was uh, in her 30s living at home and uh, her mom was still consoling her and giving her the things that she needed and kind of helping with her life skills. And I kind of realized like my daughter is going to need me my whole life the best I can be. And I need to be here for my wife to help her with that. And I need to be here for me because you can have all the money in the world. You can have the biggest house, the most cars, but one thing that you can have a limited of is time. And I was making my time shorter by the health choices I was making at that time. And I started intermittent fasting to lose the weight fast or, you know, just to start somewhere. And I lost a lot of weight. I started July 7th of 2020. And the it, it happened fairly quickly because I dove right in. It's like July 6th, I wasn't doing nothing. July 7th, I dove right in. And I would say in the last couple months, I've now that I've lost the weight, I've focused on being mental clarity, a better lifestyle, being present, taking time to be a great dad, being time to be a great husband and an employer, a son, you know, grandson, and really looking at a, a lifestyle change that is worth meaningful time with the ones that I love. I think that what you said is so beautiful because so many times as we have talked about on this podcast, people think when they start prioritizing their health, they think they're being selfish. And it's a really hard mental block for a lot of us, myself included. And I think I could not explain any better than you just did that by starting to prioritize your health again, you've been able to take back and give back more. And now you've been able to give back more and be more present to those around you. So I just think that's awesome, Billy. So tell me, when you dove in July 7th, what did you do? And and was it, were you like, what am I doing and how do I do this? Or And where did you start? Um, I really didn't know a lot about anything. So I just kind of dove right in and and uh, I started out with 18.6 for like the first two days. And I woke up, funny, I woke up the next day and I'm like, well, I survived. Like that didn't kill me. So let's just do another day. Like it took one day at a time. I didn't look at it as any milestones. I didn't look at it getting through the week. I just looked like a 24-hour day. Like, hey, I made it to the next morning. I made it to the next morning. And quickly I moved to 24. And that wasn't too bad either. And I, I, I kind of accelerated it. And about two months in, I went to alternate day fasting, and I've lost a hundred pounds pretty quickly uh, within within the first four or five months. And I've still been losing since then. And now I'm kind of in a, more of an OMAD lifestyle because it with the alternate day, I felt really great with the benefits, but with my work, it was really hard because I found the updates the updates more challenging uh, with eating for work. So the the eating one meal at a at night has has been kind of my go to now. But in the last probably two months, I've started really uh, lifting a little bit of weights, doing a lot more cardio, and kind of put more fitness in. Where before I was just more focusing on the fasting part of it. Because, you know, time is very difficult to, to find time to go to the gym. And especially re raising a Celie. Celie also has an advanced sleep disorder. And she's up every hour through the night that she does sleep. She probably sleeps on average four hours in a day. Or through the night, I should say. But she's up every hour through that time. And wow. if she's up, she has to see somebody. Uh, that's another thing that we're kind of going through right now as well. Like you can't even be in the kitchen if she's in the living room. If her eyes are open, she has a panic attack if, if you're not with her. So my wife and I have not actually slept with each other for a long time because one of us has to be kind of up with her. So we kind of alternate 
through the night with that. I work during the day, so I kind of sleep until about three or four in the morning and I kind of take over from there so she could sleep until I go to work. But another reason why I kind of dove into that a lot as well is because the divorce rate for special needs families is extremely high and I didn't want to be part of that statistic. And my daughter deserves both parents to be 100%. You know, they say marriage is 50-50, but it takes 100% of us to raise her. And uh, now that I'm doing, you know, the, the lifting and kind of the cardio part, it's the mental clarity. It, it's, it's, it's all the things that are kind of coming together now. Now I'm looking at it as more of a lifestyle than just fasting. And it's, it's hard to find time, but it's easy to find little bits of time. Like right now, my daughter finally went back to school because we've been shut down here. And I'm home for one hour in between she gets home. And I do a little bit of cardio then. When she goes to bed, it's easy to find like 10 or 20 minutes to do a roll machine or an air bike. You know, you just find little parts of the day to to fit in your your exercises. Well, there's so much that I would love to dive in deeper on, and I think number one, listeners, you know, Billy shared something I think that is quite common I find in the intermittent fasting world, where he started focusing on fasting first, and then once he kind of got comfortable, then you kept going on and trying different shoes on, as I like to say. There's lots of different fasting shoes, and then you started feeling so much better. Then you added your exercise and your fitness, and not everybody follows that path, but you were really successful on that path, and. And I hear that, I mean, I hear it from you that now you're looking at other ways to get healthier, not just using the tool of intermittent fasting. You're using other tools now to feel better. Correct. You know, when you go to a gym, your hour to two hour block that you're focusing on doing all your lifts or your call, you're trying to focus, push so much into a, a little can of time. And what I'm realizing what I'm focusing on now, you don't have to do a lot to gain a lot. You just got to do a little, even if you get a little bit out of it, you just got a movement. Your just body's moving. You know, you do little walks when the microwave's going, when I'm heating up dinner for Celia or making something, I can, you know, do some tabletop pushups or I got a little bit of minute. I can do a minute plank, which a minute plank is like, that's a lot in itself right there. You just find those little increments of time to keep your body moving and stay active. And I found a lot of success of that. I don't, look at it as like from seven to nine o'clock, I'm going to do all my fitness. I look at it as like, hey, I got this 10 minute window. What can I do for 10 minutes? And that's so doable. And I think that that's unfortunately why so many people kind of give up because they think exactly like you said, they, they think they have to go spend two hours at one time at the gym. And you and me both know, Billy, you and I don't have that kind of time most of the time. You know, it's with my six kids, your special needs daughter working, it's really hard to find time to do a two-hour block. And, you know, more and more research is coming out showing that just little bits of movement like you're doing and thinking of it as a whole day's approach to health, it works. And and you are a living example of it working. So I love that because I think there's a lot of people out there that just are like, I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time. So I'm not even going to move my body. Not going to. And you're showing them, yeah, you do have the time. You have that 10 minutes, you know, as your kids aren't home from school yet. Hey, go do something right then and there. So I love that. That contributed to the unhealthy part and the weight gain for sure. But that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have, I truly believe I have a, a eating disorder because before I would just eat and eat all day long. I was a grazer. I'd go through the kitchen, grab a handful of this, make a sandwich, grab, I mean, I would eat all day long and those habits are still there. So it, it's fighting those habits while still 
trying to sustain a healthy lifestyle. So besides having 10 minutes where I would have normally turned on the TV and had some chips, I'm doing a couple planks and some push-ups. I'm taking the time of what I used to do unhealthy habits of and then putting in of a little bit of a walk, you know, just walking outside, getting the mail or walking around the yard it doesn't have to be a mile run. It just, you just moving your body all day long, little bits at a time. I love that. Hey friends, it's Bet. If you are enjoying today's podcast, I really hope you will join me every week for what I hope you find are inspiring interviews and bold content on topics like family and career and health. And can I also ask you a favor? Can you press that subscribe button and write a review if you like what you hear today? By doing those things, you are helping me get the word out. And I truly would be ever, ever so grateful. It also allows you to be the first to know when new content arrives. So please subscribe today. Now, let's get back to our guest. So tell us a little bit about your OMAD and how big of a window you have today. So you've lost over, you've lost over 100 pounds right? Yes. I probably started around 320, 325. That's another thing I didn't do. I didn't start off by a scale weight. I didn't weigh myself. So I started July 7th. I didn't weigh myself till November. That's the first time I've ever weighed myself through this journey. But because I was unhealthy and I was, uh, I had some heart issues, I had doctor's appointments in that time. So I kind of knew what I weighed at the doctor's appointment. So I was about 320, 325. And today I'm 204. Wow, Billy, that is impressive. And you, I just can tell how much better you feel. And so you OMAD today. I loved your fasting progression. I think it's so fascinating to hear how everyone kind of figures out what works best for you. What time do you open your window most days? So I usually get done with work around 2.30 or 3 o'clock. And I don't eat till I get home. And I'll eat, open up with like a little bit of snack. And our daughter gets off the school bus about 4.30. And then we'll have dinner together. And I'll end with, you know, my vitamins. I take all of them at that time and end with like a, like a little healthy shake and a snack at the end. So it's kind of two snacks with one big meal in the middle. And we're into like mixing with like a salad or something. So it's not like I have this little window. I'm going to shove it all in real quick and then stop. I leave a little bit, probably a little longer window open than a traditional OMAD, but I'm not eating that whole time. It's just what I found, I actually hit a plateau for a long time. And once I kind of adjusted things a little bit and not ate everything just because my window was open and then shut it real quick, I eat in a shorter window, but like three different segments. And I found that to be the most successful for me right now. I think that's great. And I think, I hope people hear that, that, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can OMAD. There's a lot of different ways you can kind of tweak your fasting window to make it easier or applicable to your life. And what I have found is that sometimes people think, well, the shorter the window, the better the results. And I haven't found that to be the case. Actually, I hear a lot of times when people actually spread it out just a little bit more, kind of like you're doing, they tend to have some really good results. And now some don't. And and again, it's it's everyone's a little bit different, but but that's really cool that you found that for you. Absolutely. And I also don't, you know, it's, I still take it one, one day at a time, one fast at a time. The other weekend, I, you know, I usually eat at night. I had breakfast in the morning and it just so happened I ate till like two or three o'clock in the afternoon. 
uh, not consistently, but I just had a little longer window and that's okay. And the next day I kind of went back to my normal ways. It's, it's not getting so rigid on uh, on a plan, but it's also not being mad at yourself if you derail that or not even derail for that, but you kind of go away from it for one day because it's a lifestyle. It's, it's, a, it's a change that you're making for the better for your life. And you do that one day at a time and it, you take each day, you just be happy with whatever results you're having, but at the same time, not get so away from it, but it's okay to take a day and celebrate whether it's a holiday or birthday or, or something. I, and I love that too. And I'm kind of like you, I, there's a lot of times I'll switch things around. There's a lot of times where I'll have a wider window. There might be, hey, we're taking a short weekend trip. I may even just not even think about it at all for two days. Like I, I want it to fit my life and what works for me. And I think that too often times people think it has to be this super rigid. This is, you know, I only always eat at four. And and what you can hear from Billy is, no, he he's flexible and he changes it around. So Billy, let's say there's a, a Billy out there and it's July 7th in their life or July 6th in their life. And they want to get started. What would you tell them? What would what advice would you give them? Just start with something. It does. It ha- it doesn't have to be a major change. Just do a little bit more than you did the, the day before, and then do a little bit more the next day, and, and find out what works for you. It so happened that I picked up on it fairly quick, and it, and I had a little easier time with it. But that's not like that. I know some people that started fasting after I did, it wasn't as fast for them. And they find that 18.6 just works for them. And that's fine. You know, it's 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 what works for you. Because at the end of the day, it's your body. It's who you want to become healthier. And you have that your whole life to get that way. It's not a race. It's not, there's no finish line. There's just the next day. Uh, go July 7th, go July 8th, 9th, and so on. And just focus on the day that you're in of that current day and whatever makes you feel good. If for some reason you feel like you need to eat earlier or a little bit more for that day, that's fine. Um, just start over the next. I think that's great advice. And Billy, are you a coffee drinker or what do you drink during while you're fasting? I for sure am a coffee drinker. And I've never been one to, like, I just like black coffee. I've never been one to mix it with anything. So that, that part wasn't hard with me. But I go, you know, my mornings, I'll have coffee until probably uh, 10 in the morning. And then I'll drink water the rest of the day. I've never been a pop drinker either. So that one wasn't really a hard one to give up. So I kind of really only drink coffee or water pretty much every day, all day long, whether I'm fasting or not. And when you were getting started, did you find you struggled in any way? Like, did you have any, at first, was your body kind of mad at you? And what did that feel like? Or like you said, it, it you took to 18.6 quite quickly. Did you find during your fasting window, it wasn't hard? I didn't find that. I didn't really restrict what I was eating. I could, I can't do a diet. Like if you told me I could eat all day, but it has to be a restricted diet, I could not do that at all. So it was easier for me to restrict the times that I was eating. So I didn't, my body didn't have a hard time eating differently. The hard part was the more the mental end of it because I gained a lot of weight by eating a lot through the day. So it was breaking those habits of, hey, I'm in the kitchen. I don't need to have a snack. Hey, I'm in the kitchen. I don't need this. And it was it was kind of getting over those hurdles more than what it was of what I was eating or how I was eating it. 
I think that's so cool that you've kind of keyed in on that because I've noticed certain bad habits that I have. Like, for instance, when I get in a car, I notice that I want to go to Starbucks. Like, I yeah. like literally, I know that's, a, but and in my mind tells me that every time I'm in the car, I need to go to Starbucks. And <laughs> Billy, I don't need to go to Starbucks every time I'm in the car. And I think that we don't realize all these habits that we have or airports. I talk about that a lot. And I realize no one's really traveling right now, but I will tell you that was a really bad habit I had where I thought that when I got to an airport, I had to get some food or get some snacks or go on the airplane. And that's been a really powerful thing for me to break. And I I think it's fascinating when we look back at all these habits that we used to have and the triggers we had, like walking into our kitchen, like you said, oh, well, we got to go to the pantry. No, we don't. But <laughs> well, everyone focuses on three meals a day, but what you don't realize is what you do in between those meals. That's actually the uh, more the unhealthy part than the actual three meals that you eat, because you don't realize how much you're never in a fasted state because you'll never stop eating. You're never giving your time to digest that food. So you're just adding more, you're adding more. And after one Sealy is about two or three. I mean, I started gaining weight probably 2008, 2009, but it escalated those last few years. And I probably don't, you know, not double my weight, but that's where I gained probably the, the most weight in that time. And that was because I was up a lot more. I had a lot more stress that I was dealing with. And I was taking that out on food, not walking. I stopped doing a lot of activities and you lose that mental clarity, that, you know, that, that physical ability. And it, to me, it's been more mental than it has been physical. And now that I'm at the point of my weight journey, where I feel comfortable. If I, I'm going to still lose weight, but it'll happen when it happens. Now I'm putting in the physical part of it more so that I just feel better. It's something about like a light workout just makes you feel better for the day. Like you're, you're accomplishing things. So you're taking away those old habits of like, I used to be able to watch a series on TV, like a whole series of a show in a week. Cause I just binge watch TV and eat. Now I barely turn on the TV and I'm feeling those little bit of times that I had to be with my family more present now than I ever have before. But also doing those little bit of exercises, those 10 minutes here, those five minutes there. I don't work out in a block time at all during the day, but my body's moving the entire day doing something. So Billy, have you found that because you're not sleeping as much or your sleep is more interrupted at times, has that been hard with fasting or you have been so used to that for so many years with caring for your daughter that, that you're kind of used to it? It's kind of, even though I'm getting a little less sleep, it's better sleep because before I would quit breathing multiple times through a night because I had so much weight and I snored a lot and I would actually literally quit breathing multiple times, even in a minute that would wake myself up in like a panic to get a breath of air. So even though I'm sleeping a little less of a time, the time I am sleeping is a little better sleep, if that makes sense. So in some ways, fasting's helped me sleep better even with the situation that we're in now with our daughter. That leads into kind of my next question for you so nicely is that what other things have you had? What other, as we call them, non-scale victories have you noticed by losing and the weight, but also through fat, your fasting journey? A lot. Breathing is definitely way better. I can actually climb the stairs without thinking, you know, I'm going to pass out, which is a great feeling. Inflammation's way down. Uh, arthritis runs in my family. And I could I started feeling that leading up to uh, when I started fasting and, and 
and I don't feel that as much anymore. My back is way better. I don't have the back pain. You don't realize how much weight you're carrying on your body until you don't have that weight anymore and how much stress it has on it. You know, I, I, we'd be able to walk around the neighborhood and I would have to stop three or four times. Now I can walk 10 miles a day and not even think about it. It's just, you know, I can raise my heart rate without feeling like I'm going to faint. It's getting down, playing with my daughter. She jumps back up. I could jump back up with her, run around with her. But I was, I would say the biggest thing is definitely been the mental part of it. I think I have confidence now that I've never had before. I'm more present with my daughter than I ever had before. I'm a better husband than I ever had before. And this life is tough. It's very difficult. And Rachel and I have definitely had our struggles. And especially in the last few years of, of trying to manage this life. And we, right before fasting, we went to counseling. Um, that's kind of led when I started getting better. And it's realizing to be the best version of yourself. It's not, like you said, it's not being selfish for me. It's being selfish for all three of us because me getting healthier has given a better life for all of us in this house, for my wife, for my daughter and myself. I love that. And I know it's going to speak to so many out there listening. And I hope that maybe listeners will even share this episode with someone in their life, because I think it's really going to hit home with a lot of people. Billy, my next question is, when you started fasting, did you receive any kind of pushback from those that you love or those that you knew? And and if you did, how did you handle it? Or did they kind of say, oh, that's great? Because I started fasting in July. I kind of had a little different experience with that because for a longest time here in Minnesota, a lot of things have been locked down. So I haven't seen a lot of people. So when I started seeing a few people after months, it's a massive change. It's not like I see them every day. And now that I'm so far into it, they see that difference in me. And been very supportive. I've never had any pushback. I've had a few people ask, you know, kind of what what fasting is, uh, more questions about it, more than asking why I would do that or like that's not healthy. And actually, since I've started this journey and became a lot healthier, I've known about four or five people that have started the fasting journey because of they seen the benefits that it's had in my life. Oh, I love, I just love that because I think that that's the other powerful thing about your journey is you you realize that now you can help others and they see you and are, are inspired and want to maybe take back their health too and, and say, oh, look what Billy's been able to do. And I see the difference in him. I see the confidence in him. And that's, that's the thing. We talk about weight a lot, but what you know and I know is that you have a confidence now and almost a, a pep in your step. And a lot of people want that just as much as they want the weight loss or the health benefits. They want to have, they want that in a pill. You know, they're like, yeah. I see a difference in Billy these days. That's what I want. And that's what I hear a lot sometimes. And when I was starting to get healthier too. Yeah. I used to be the one that used to stare at the floor or, you know, you took a picture, I'd be the one, you know, like be behind the mantle, <laughs> like hiding or, you know, now my eyes are more open now. I'm talking to more people. You, you just have that. It, you don't even realize it while it's happening, but your confidence level goes way up because you don't have those that clouded bubble over you of being unhealthy. You know, like your weight goes both ways. So you look at it as being unhealthy as being overweight, 
but I've known a lot of people that have been fairly fit that are also unhealthy. So weight is one part of it on both ends of it. It's more the mental clarity, how you present yourself, how you feel. If you feel good, you'll be good. Mm-hmm. So Billy, how do you eat now? Do you still not really look at your kind of not worry about what you're eating in your eating window or have some of your eating habits changed as well? It's definitely starting to change now. You know, before I just I just started fasting just, just to do something uh, to get mm-hmm. healthier and to shed the weight. My taste has changed quite a bit. A lot of food that I would have liked before, I actually don't even like anymore. And a lot of foods I never thought I would eat that I've eaten more. You know, it's a lot more salads now. There's still a mix of a lot of different things. Like I don't really go out to eat or fast food much. But, you know, if we have a pizza one night, a bunch of other nights we'll have, you know, either a salad or, or some healthier sandwiches. So it's just a little mix of things. And it's it's a lot of, uh, you know, fruits, vegetables that we mix in now, uh, some health bars. And it's just, it's now I'm focusing on the life, the healthier lifestyle and not just the fasting part of it. So now I'm incorporating the fitness part, you know, walking more, being more moving, you know, movement more and kind of more what I put in my body in the last few months. So Billy, if people want to connect with you and learn more about your journey, how do they do that? How do they find you? Yeah, so we have uh, we have a special needs page that we uh, our daughter is a big part of, and we have awareness to all special needs families, and that is Flannaville, F L A N A V I L L E, and we'll be launching here within the next week uh, Flannaville Wellness as well, and you can reach both of those at on Facebook. Billy, I have learned so much from you today, and I know others will too. And as we're kind of coming to a close, one of the questions I always ask our guests is, what is your piece of bold advice that you would like to leave the listeners with today? I would say no matter how old you are or where you're at in your life and your journey, each day you can live a better day than you did yesterday and just live the day for what it is and then do something you want to enjoy and and live the best life you can because at the end of the day, you deserve it. Your family deserves it. And time is one of those things. We don't know how much we have and make the most of it. I love that. And time is our most precious, precious gift. And you have shown us that, hey, it's time to take back my health and prioritize it because the more we do that, the more we can give back to our family and our friends and the community. And thank you for sharing your story with us today. I love learning more about Celie and Rachel, and I hope to have you back someday. Absolutely. I, I, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Before we close today's episode... I wanted to dive in a little bit deeper on a few of the terms that Billy and I talked about today. Because I know some of you are a little bit newer to intermittent fasting, I want to make sure you understand these terms, and if you want more information, where to find it. So one of the things we talked about was alternate day fasting. He called it ADF. Billy implemented this tool early on in his journey. If you want more information on ADF, please check out episode 17 with Roxy Moreno. She shares about how she uses alternate day fasting, what it is, and why someone should think about using this tool on their health journey. Alternate day fasting, breaking it down quite simply, is that you fast for one day and you refeed on the next day. The one piece of feedback I consistently get, though, is that some people actually don't enjoy alternate day fasting, not because the fasting day is hard, but because the refeed is hard. 
And it's a lot to plan around making sure you are refeeding in the most beneficial way. However, it can be a great, great tool. And I recommend you check out episode 17. The other thing we talked about was 18.6. When we're interviewing people on these interviews and they say 19.5, 24, 16.8, 18.6, what does that mean? That first number is your fasting window. And the second number is your eating window. Yes, sleep does count. And you can use an app like the Zero Fasting app or the Life app to track your fasting time. As you progress on your journey, it's unlikely you will need to even track that. But if you were kind of a data junkie and you enjoy seeing what hour you are at, that's a great tool to use on your phone. And those apps are free. The other thing I want to point out about Billy's journey is that we all fast differently. He was currently doing an 18-6 OMAD, which means one meal a day. However, his OMAD is opening with a light snack, then having dinner with his family, then ending with a snack. He ended, he says, with a protein shake, I believe. So some people OMAD quite differently but you have to find what works for you. And you do not have to have an evening window. You can have a midday window or an early in the day window. Make it work for you in your life. Figure out what's easy for you. That is the great empowering thing about fasting. Your journey does not look need to look like mine or like Billy's, but it's a great way to take away little bits of information and find out, hmm, maybe I'll try that. Last but not least, Billy does emphasize a lot of details around how he is exercising. If you want a physician's perspective on short bits of exercise throughout the day, check out episode 15 with Dr. Ted Naiman. He is a huge proponent of this exact thing, that maybe instead of going to the gym for hours and hours on end, that maybe incorporate different pieces of movement throughout your day. And that is exactly what Billy's been doing and having great results. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I hope it not only helps your health journey, but maybe touched your heart too. Live boldly, my friends. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to write a review and push that subscribe button. I also hope you will come hang out with me on Instagram, Facebook, and my new website, betlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you. You.